Welcome to Truth Talk with John Morgan of Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at traderspointchurch.org. Good morning and welcome to Truth Talk. My name is John Morgan with the Traders Point Church of Christ. I'm here with our evangelist, Jeremy Bard. We're going to be in John chapter 1 this morning. If you've been listening over the past few months, we've been studying through the book of Romans. We finished that study last week, and so we decided we're going to do a a similar format over the next few weeks and study through the Gospel of John. Uh, John is one of the four Gospels that you'll find at the beginning of your New Testament that tell the story of Jesus. And in a lot of ways, John is probably the most unique of the four uh, in the way that he tells the story of Jesus and the purpose and the direction that he takes his writing there. So we're going to spend the next few weeks talking about the Gospel of of John. We're going to start by just doing a little bit of an introduction this morning, looking at the first few verses and how he introduces uh, Jesus and introduces the the story that he's going to tell for us. So so Jeremy, as, as we begin this study, as I mentioned, John is one of the the gospels is seen oftentimes as the most unique of the four because of the way it's written and the purpose and the direction in which he takes and the way that he tells the story of Jesus. So how do you approach a study of the gospel of John? And how do you approach it maybe even a little bit differently than the other three gospels because it's very different in the way that it's written? I think, you know, when you begin in any study of the gospels, I think sometimes one of that first question that kind of pops into your mind that we've got to answer is, why do we need four Gospels? I mean, what, mm-hmm. why do you need four? I mean, ultimately, they all tell, you know, the same story of mm-hmm. the same guy, Jesus. He lived one time. He didn't live four different times. And so why do you really need you know, mm-hmm. four different Gospels. And that's what you have. Matthew, Mark, Luke are all similar. We, a lot of times they'll be referenced as the synoptic Gospels. Mm-hmm. John as well. And so why do you need all four of those? And, and I think the answer to that is it just gives us that fuller picture of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I'll often use the illustration of if there's a statue in the middle of the room and one person standing in front of it, one person standing behind it, one person's on the left and one person's on the right, and you would ask each of them what they see. Well, the person standing in the back is going to tell you what they see from the back, and the person in the front is going to tell you what they see from the front. And they may talk about different things, but they're mm-hmm. ultimately still talking about the same statue. Mm-hmm. And that's what you get. You get a full picture of Jesus, and certainly it's important to do that. And so when you study it, you've got to see it that way. It, it is the same story. They're not telling a different story. But man, studying through all four of them really give you a different picture. And John stands outside of the other three. He writes in a little bit more of a chronological way. The others Mm -hmm. uh, group some things. Matthew, Mark, and Luke isn't held directly to chronology, even though you do get a sense of it. You know, Jesus is born at the beginning and he he dies and he's resurrected towards the end. But they group Mm -hmm. a lot of things. Well, John's gospel really pushes through. But also it's probably the last gospel Mm -hmm. that's written and probably written maybe decades after, long after the others. And so the others are there, the others are being circulated, and so he's able to come at it from a little bit different angle. And so he has a very specific purpose. We'll talk about that here in just a moment, I'm sure, because John tell, it's not right. he tells us directly what the purpose is. And it, it's unique in how it begins. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. we're going to talk about that today, but it is unique in how it begins, even in comparison to the other ones. It's always interesting when you think about, especially in the in terms of the Gospels, obviously each of the four writers are seeing things and knowing people and, and living even at different times. 
and that all plays a role in this. But it's also important to keep in mind that this is all being written and guided by the Holy Spirit. Right. And so he wants us to see this from all different angles. It's not just the fact that Matthew saw it from one direction and Mark sees it from a different direction and Luke sees it. But, but the Holy Spirit wants us to see Jesus from all of these different directions yeah. because he wants us to get a full picture of Jesus' character and of his nature and what was important to him and who he truly was. And I think that's where John really shines. is He gives us so much about who Jesus truly is. He's going to talk a lot about the deity of Christ. Right. And that's something that he's really going to drive home. And we're going to get to know, even as we're going to begin the, the gospel here, it goes all the way back to the beginning and how Jesus was playing a part even then. And so we really get a different understanding, a different depth of understanding of who Jesus is through through this particular gospel. And really, I think in a lot of ways, that goes to show the wisdom of the Holy Spirit and how He wants us to get a complete picture of our Savior and how important it is to us to truly know Jesus from every aspect. He, he is our Savior. He is our friend. He is our Lord. And we need to be able to know Him from all of these different perspectives. And so John's unique perspective in the way that he tells the story of Christ, I think in a lot of ways helps kind of complete that picture for us of who Jesus is and, and what He is to us. Yeah. You know, you think about the, you know, the forerunner. So even from John... I mean, the relationship that he had with Jesus personally, mm-hmm. the relationship that he had with Jesus is unique, you know, in comparison to the other writers. Even with Matthew, who would have certainly spent some time with Jesus yeah. and, you know, in and around him. But yet John, he would, I mean, the level of relationship that John had is really shared by, I mean, Peter and James. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you know, even yeah. Matthew will make mention that there are things that Peter, James, and John were privy to that the other apostles weren't. And so you have this very, very close relationship. And even the way he begins, you know, uh, one of his letters like First John, where he talks about I mean, the very physical and personal mm-hmm. relationship. The, he makes mention of the fact that, you know, when it comes to Jesus, I, I heard him, physically mm-hmm. heard him. I was able to be around him physically, was able to physically touch him. And that relationship that he had, intimate relationship, we can, we can have that same yeah. relationship that he, you know, that he makes. And so it, it, he really comes from a unique perspective, you know, with that. And, and I think he, he does put that final, you know, concluding picture of what we need to know about Jesus on it. You made mention already, you know, Matthew writes to a very specific audience Mm -hmm. for a very specific purpose. I mean, all of them. You know, Matthew writes to the Jews. It's very Jewish heavy. He he presents Jesus as a king. Mm -hmm. That's the reality. Jesus Mm -hmm. is king. Mark writes you know, to probably a Gentile uh, audience, and he pictures Jesus as a servant. And he was, absolutely, again, Mm -hmm. right? That's a big picture of what Jesus was. Luke writes to a Gentile audience as well, probably, and and he pictures Jesus as the Son of Man, really accentuates his humanity. Mm -hmm. All of those things are absolutely true. And now John writes, almost to a universal audience, it comes across, and he puts that final picture, as you made mention already, about the fact that Jesus was God. It's how he begins. And, you know, in John chapter 20, again, we made mention earlier, he directly tells us why he wrote the book. And that's why he said that we would believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. 
And you made mention of it there, but let's go ahead and get into those first couple of verses. I think the way John begins his his writing here is is fairly well known. In verse number one, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made, and that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Right off the bat, like right out of the gate, John is making the point that Jesus isn't somebody that just came onto the scene. Right. This is not somebody that, yeah, I know you guys are meeting him for the first time. I know you guys are seeing him for the first time. But don't lose sight of the fact that Jesus has been in the picture from the very beginning. Nothing was made that wasn't made through him. And right off, right off the bat, you can see John elevating Jesus elevating him to that place of deity where he is God. He is the creator. He was there in the beginning. And so right out of the, right out of the gate, I think John is setting the, the tone of, of his writing here. That, yes, I'm going to tell you a story about Jesus and his life on earth. But as you, as you read this story, don't lose sight of the fact that this man who walked on the earth is also God who created it. Yeah. And then that is, that is such a, a powerful way to begin this gospel by putting everything in that perspective. And I think that in a lot of ways, that's going to set the tone, as you mentioned, all the way through the end. That's going to set the tone of John's writing to make sure you always keep Jesus in his proper place as God, as one of the creators of the world. Yeah, and you, you, we made mention already how John begins in such a unique way. I mean, it, it, it makes sense that Matthew would begin, you know, in the way that he does mm-hmm. with the genealogy of Jesus into the birth of Jesus. Mm-hmm. It, it makes sense the way that Luke would begin the way that he does. He talks about even more so than Matthew about the birth of Jesus and all of the you know circumstances surrounding that. Mark is a very quick gospel. It paints Jesus as you know one that uh, a, a guy that's on the move all the time. And he dives right into his ministry almost from the very beginning. And those things really make sense. But you come to John and you may read the first few verses and you may step back and think, what? what, what? I mean, what? But we have to remember, as we mentioned, Matthew, Mark, and Luke have been circulating for yeah. you know some time. The story of Jesus and his birth and all of that is, is well known. But mm-hmm. what John wants to hammer down, as you said, is that he wasn't just some man that walked around the earth. He wasn't just some, you know, some prophet that was sent by God. He was God. And that he gets that out of the way literally in the very first verse that the word was with God and the word was God. Not just that he was with God alongside of them, that he was God as you made mention, not just that he was there during creation. He is the creator. And so, he, I mean, it's the first five verses of the entire book to get that point that Jesus was God. Not just a friend of God, not just, you know, someone who knew God, but that he was God. And when we are able to get that into our mindset, it makes all the difference in the world. It really does. And you go down to verse number 14. We were talking about this before we started. When you get down to verse number 14, it says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so he's, he's, ta- he's making the point that, that this, this Creator, God, became flesh. And He's the one that you saw walking among you. It, over in chapter 14, he's going to make the point in a lot of ways that, that Jesus is the way that God has been revealed to man. Right. 
And, and that, that's really the whole purpose here is, is what he's trying to point out. It's what he's going to call Jesus the light. He's going to use that several times in, in chapters 8 and chapter 9 and here in, in chapter 1. Because Jesus is the one that is shining the light on who God is for us. And, and that's really a powerful lesson for, for us, I think. Certainly it was for, for the people who witnessed Jesus in the first century. But for us, too, to know that we can know God by knowing Jesus. And so if we want to have a better understanding of, of the nature of our Creator and, and the characteristics that He embodies and what's truly important to Him, we're going to learn all of that by learning more about Jesus because He is the one that was sent to reveal God to man. And so when we, when we begin this story of Jesus, and really no matter which gospel you're reading through, if you approach it from that perspective, that the story of Jesus and the life of Jesus and the things that he did, they were all intended to reveal God to man. That was his purpose in coming to earth. That, that I think, helps uh, position the way that we see Jesus in its proper place by recognizing that he was someone can, who came here with a very specific purpose. And that purpose was to reveal God to man and to be that mediator between us and God. Yeah, if you think about it, I mean, this one aspect, this one reality of Jesus is the one thing that caused the biggest problems for the Jewish teachers. I mean, it, you know, they, they, I don't think they would have had a problem with, you know, recognizing that Jesus was a good guy or that <laughs> even recognizing that he was a prophet. I mean, or yeah. certainly recognizing in, you know, the miracles that yeah. he, but they in no way wanted to recognize that he was God yeah. because they knew if they were to recognize that, if they were to, you know, go all in on that, now the authority with which Jesus speaks comes into play. And that's what they didn't want to do. And so this aspect of Jesus really becomes an obstacle for a lot of people. And I think that's in a lot of ways why John presents him this way, that this needs not to be an obstacle. This is the reality of who Jesus is. You made reference there in John 14, where he tells the apostles, listen, if you have known the Father, if you've known me, You've known the Father. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The Father and I are one. I mean, he makes that point over and over and over again. And if we're able to get on board with that reality, now the authority with which he speaks, it, it takes on a completely different level. And that was a huge obstacle for the people, certainly at the time of Jesus, and probably continued to be somewhat of an obstacle even in the decades following. It was. And, you know, you think about, he's going to talk about here in the, these first couple of verses here, he's going to reference John who was sent to kind of bear witness for Jesus. And certainly we can read more about the story of, of John and the role that he played in all of this. But I think what you just mentioned is a really important point, that when we think about the life of Christ and we think about the purpose, this was all part of the plan that had been in place from the very beginning. And there was, there was a great deal of, of wisdom seen in how Jesus was presented. There were, there were prophets going back hundreds of years that, that spoke of him. John's even going to reference that in verse number 11. He's going he's to reference back, I think, there to Isaiah 53 and some of the language that Isaiah used there as he, talk, as he talked about the coming Messiah. And, and now you see this John who was sent to bear witness to Christ as he kind of came onto the scene. And we're going to see some of that continue to play out through verse 1. But there was such, such detail given to the way in which Jesus was presented to, to the world. 
And that, I think, goes to show us just how important all of that was leading to what we see in Christ and the purpose that he came to earth for. It wasn't something that was brought about on spur of the moment or, oh no, now we've got a problem, what do we do? Let's send Jesus down there. This was something that from the beginning was part of God's plan. And so what we're seeing here, and I think John does a really good job of it, is we're seeing how that plan is unfolding in the life of Christ. And how God's plan is unfolding throughout the Gospels that are being written to us and the people that played such an important part of helping bring Jesus into the role that he was going to play while he was here on earth. And I think the beginning of John is really important to helping us better understand that story going forward. Yeah, and listen, God knew that man was going to have problems with this. He knew there was mm-hmm. going to be struggles with this, certainly this aspect of Jesus. And I think you're right. That, that's why so much went in to the way that it came to be. And, and it was a plan from, from the very beginning. It's talked about here, you know, about, you know, about the beginning. And, and the point is there that it was in place from the very beginning. Even verse 5 that you've read already, that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. You get down to verses 9, 10, and 11, talks about the, the difficulty that, you know, people had in realizing who Jesus was. The, but everything was set in place for a specific purpose in a specific time. Even John the Baptist that was made mention of, you know, in 6, 7, and 8, John the Baptist is made, you know, mentioned, he just uses the word John, mm-hmm. so we, you know, you need not to get confused with John the Baptist that's talked about here, and John the writer. He'll right. never, he never uses his own name, yeah. as, and we may talk about that as we study through the book over the next couple of months. I mean, John won't use his own name very mm-hmm. often, but John the Baptist is being referenced here. All of that was a part of the plan. And it was a plan that we get from John chapter 1 that was in play from the very creation, from the very creation of time, the plan was put in motion. But it also talks not just of the deity of Christ, but I mean the eternal nature of God and Jesus and who he is being there from the very beginning. I think one of the questions that this brings up early on is if there's an understanding that Jesus is God and Jesus was part of the creation, and Jesus is a light to reveal God to mankind. But then you get down into verses 11 and 12, and this this stark contrast is brought out. And again, I think this shows John writing this probably many years after Jesus was actually on the earth, because he's able to reflect back and recognize that even though Jesus was God on earth, and even though Jesus was trying to reveal God to man, and he was there in the beginning, he was part of this plan, he was rejected. And I almost think sometimes when I read this, I can imagine what first century Christians may have felt when they read this to think, wow, you know, what, what did we have literally that we could have seen and touched and talked to, and yet he was rejected at every turn? And that is just such a, a sad part of the story of Jesus, but a reality of it that is still living on today that even though we can't reach out and touch him, we can get to know him through the word, and yet so many still are rejecting him. Even with the teaching that is John as an eyewitness to him is trying to tell you, this isn't just some guy, this is God, and he's, he's here for you, and yet so many continue to reject him. And, and that's such a, a sad reality about the life of Christ and about the, the, the nature of man throughout time, that when God literally comes to earth 
to try and save his humanity, he is rejected at every turn. And that, I think, is one of, again, one of the ways that John's really beginning this by introducing Jesus to us by making the point that even though he is all of these things, he was routinely rejected when he was here, and that's going to continue on, sadly. Well, he was I mean, John will tell, paint the picture that he was routinely, that's the word, routinely rejected in all levels of people. I mean, not just mm -hmm. the ones, you know, like the Pharisees or, you know, the people who put him to death, but even his closest of followers struggled with that a little yep. bit. I mean, he's sure. the one that really provides us the picture of Thomas at the very yeah. end after, yeah. you know, Jesus's resurrection and Thomas not being on board with the other apostles who said, hey, we, we've seen Jesus. And Thomas saying, yeah, I, I haven't, you know, I, I need to, you know, I need to see him. And so John, he, I th and I think he does that to give us the reality that th this can be a struggle that we have, mm -hmm. but ultimately the importance of getting over that, that when we can get to the understanding and the belief, <clears throat> that's the reason this book is written there in John chapter 20, he tells us, but to get to that belief that Jesus is the Son of God. And when that belief is cemented on us, mm -hmm. I mean, the impact that it has on our life now it is profound. And that is in every way, it, I mean, there's 21 chapters, so there's a lot for us to cover, but that is the one thing that John wants. This reality that Jesus was God, is God. Mm -hmm. You have that cemented on your mind, and the impact that it has on our life now is profound. And we see that playing out in the lives of people that yeah. come to that understanding. Yeah. Thomas comes to that understanding. I mean, we're months away from getting to yeah. that story, but I mean, he comes to that understanding. Yeah. And we see that over and over and over with people. I mean, we'll come to, you know, other stories like in, you know, John chapter 4 with the woman at the well. And her coming to the understanding of who Jesus is and the profound impact that it can have on her. I mean, we'll get to that much quicker than we will with Thomas. Yeah. But he gives us that over and over and over, ultimately, to the point that that's where each and every one of us, mm -hmm. as we sit here today and study from the Gospel of John, we've got to get to that same point because the impact that it can have on us is profound. Yeah, what, what you just said made me think of all of the I am statements yeah. that we see throughout, throughout John, where, where Jesus uses different analogies to help, help really reveal who he is to people. And I think what you just said is, is a really important part of that. He, he's, he's trying a lot of different ways to help people see who he is. And John's recording those for us. He, he's trying a lot of different aspects. If, if you're not going to get the very uh, blatant part of John chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, if you're not going to get that part, let's try a different way. Yeah. And if you're not going to get that, let's try a different way. And he's going to continue to do that throughout the, the throughout the book where he's going to try and reveal Jesus in different ways, using different analogies, again, to try and help everyone see. There, by the time you finish reading the Gospel of John, there should be no confusion right. about who Jesus is because he's going to attack it from every angle. He's going to give you every different analogy and every different way to help you understand who Jesus is. There shouldn't be any confusion about this. And I, and I think in a lot of ways, that's, again, as you, you made reference there at the end, that, that's really the main purpose. He wants to make sure that when you finish reading this, you know who your Savior is. 
you know that he is God, you know what he came to earth to do and what he did on the cross for mankind. He wants to make sure that there is no confusion about that. And I really appreciate this gospel in particular because of that approach. And I think it's because of that, in a lot of ways, I think it's a great way to introduce someone to Christ mm. who maybe hasn't had a lot of exposure to Jesus or to the Bible. That In a lot of ways, that's what John is doing. He is, he is doing that very thing. Right. He is introducing you to Jesus. Let, let me tell yeah. you about him. And I'm going to do it from a lot of different angles and in a lot of different ways so that hopefully everybody can understand at least one or two of them. I think, I think this can be a great tool for us if we come across people who are, who are really new to the understanding of who Jesus is. Study through the Gospel of John with them right. and allow the Holy Spirit to introduce Jesus to them in the way that he wants to. And I think even in this first chapter, certainly the beginning of this first chapter, there's, there's a lot that happens in chapter one, and we're not going to be able to get yeah. to all of that, you know, here during our time this morning. But, you know, the, even at the very end of this beginning section, he, he, I think he, he paints that picture of, of this, this is something for everybody. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, we made mention that, you know, Matthew was written, you know, primarily with a Jewish audience, and probably Mark and Luke written with a more of a, a Gentile or a Greek audience, but John has that universal feel, and it it has it really at the very beginning, you know, the end of this section. You had verse 11 where the point is made that, listen, there was lots of Jesus's own people, Mm -hmm. whether it's his own family members or whether it's the Jewish people that they rejected him, but he makes the point in 12 and 13, but many, many will receive him, and to them he gives the right to be children of God to those who believe in his name. He says in verse 13, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And that ultimately sets in place for me. I mean, yeah. that's, that's, that's for yeah. me today. That's for you. That's for everybody who's listening. That th- this is what's possible. That because of Jesus and what he has done and the story that John will reveal, mm-hmm. because of what Jesus has done, it's made it possible that if I believe on that, I can be a child of God. And it doesn't matter if I'm a Jew, it doesn't matter if I'm a Gentile, it doesn't matter if I'm a man or a woman, it doesn't make any difference. But if I believe in Jesus and who he is and what he's all about, then he's made it possible that I can be a child of God. And that is the power, I think, in a lot of ways of believing in the deity, if you will, of Jesus and who he was. We see that, we see that same theme. Paul, Paul mentions that many times in his epistles. When he talks about that very thing, because we and we even talked a little bit about it when we studied through Romans, where where there was this uh, this difficulty that the Jews had in grasping that that this was now something that was available to all man, mm-hmm. and Paul would make the point several times in his epistles, and that it's no longer about the bloodline, because Jesus has made this option available to all mankind, regardless of of, of your race or, or where you came from. And John is pointing out the fact that that's made possible because the Son of God came to earth and has made this possible for you. Again, it's not something that was just being thrown out there loosely. Something had to happen in order for this to be possible. The Son of God had to come to earth and die on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins. 
He's the one that made this all possible. And so when Paul writes to these Christians, Jews and Gentiles, who perhaps were struggling with that a little bit, he makes that point time and time again that it's because of Christ that the bloodline no longer matters. It's because of what he did that, that that's all that is available to all mankind. And John is making that point here early on as well. They, like you said, you and I, just like these people who would have been reading it in the first century, have the opportunity to be a child of God because of the story that we're going to read. Because of what I'm going to tell you over the next few pages, mm-hmm. you have the chance to be a child of God as well. And that's why you get to you know a verse we've made mention of already there in verse 14. He kind of uh, you know kind of unveils it all for us in a lot of ways. If you were in any way questioning mm-hmm. who the Word was that he makes reference to in verses one and two, that that answer is given to us in verse 14, yeah. where he paints that picture that this Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld His glory, the glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so that this is Jesus who has come in the flesh. And you, you may say, well, why, why does John make reference to Him as the Word? Why not mm-hmm. just say, hey, Jesus did this? When we picture the Word, it, Jesus came with something to say. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that yeah. in a lot of ways. And what He had to say was, I, I am God. Mm-hmm. And, and that, in a lot of ways, I think is this first section of John chapter 1. Absolutely. We'll go ahead and wrap things up there. I want to encourage everyone, like we mentioned, we're going to be studying through the Gospel of John over the next several weeks, several months, really. And so if, if you follow along with us on a weekly basis, whether it's on the radio or through the podcast or on Facebook, whatever it might be, if you have a chance to read through the Gospel of John, I think it would do you a lot of good. And then it will also help as we study through it together over the next few months. It's a really a fascinating book to read through and, and a really impactful one. So please take advantage of that. We want to thank you for taking some time with us as we kind of introduced uh, the book this morning. If you're in the area and looking for a place to worship, we would love for you to come and visit with us. Uh, we meet on the corner of 82nd and Lafayette Road on the northwest side of Indianapolis. We have Bible classes on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. for all ages, uh, followed by worship at 10 a.m. And then we meet again at 6 p.m. on Sunday evenings. We also have Bible classes on Wednesday evenings as well. So please come and join us any opportunity that you might have. We do live stream our services, so if you're unable to get out with us in person, you can follow along at traderspointchurch.org. We link that to our Facebook page as well, so you can follow along with our worship service there if you'd like. So thank you again for uh, taking some time to study with us this morning, and we'll talk to you again next week. You've been listening to Truth Talk with John Morgan of the Traders Point Church of Christ. Traders Point Church of Christ is located at 8220 West 82nd Street in Indianapolis. More information about worship times and Bible study can be found at traderspointchurch.org. You can hear Truth Talk every Sunday at 10 a.m. right here on 98.9 FM WYRZ.